But we're going to jump in here tonight, and we're going to look at the antidotes to stress. Top causes of stress uh, on the screen here. You can jot these down. They may be on your outline. And if not, write them in. Write them in your workbook. But number one is worry. Uh, You know that. Worry causes stress. Number two is hurry. Just the fast pace of life causes stress. Uh, Crowds. The urbanization of, uh, of the world, of our nation, uh, waiting in line, you know, congested traffic, too many people uh, cause stress in your life. Uh, multiple choice causes stress. Uh, you know, there used to be a couple of kinds of toothpaste. Now there's over 60. Used to be one kind of cough syrup. Now there's over 50. You know, you go in to buy it, and, and it's not that multiple choices are liberating. It's more like multiple choices are paralyzing. I mean, how do I know which one's the right one? A loss of privacy causes stress. Uh, The government and corporations want to know who you are, where you are, what you said, what you bought. Uh, They're tracking you all the time, and we lose our privacy. Uh, Pluralism causes stress. A hundred years ago in America, it was a pretty homogenous place. Uh, There were commonly shared values that were held in common by most people. That's just not true anymore. Uh, Today, we live around people, you work with people who often have very different beliefs than you do, very different cultural values, even different languages, and that leads to conflict, it leads to tension, and it leads to stress. And number seven is the fear of the future, causes stress. Uh, The future looks bleak. The future doesn't look bright, it looks bleak, and that causes stress. So, what's the antidote? to those stress points in our life. Uh, Tonight we're going to look at uh, Psalm 23 and see the antidote to all seven of these stress points. Uh, Psalm 23, six verses, got the seven antidotes. It's a tremendous model of stress management. And so let's just read this out loud together. It's just six verses. We can do this. The Lord is my shepherd, so I have all I need. He makes me lay down in lush green meadows. And he leads me beside calm, quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies." And you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that nice? Just what an image that, uh, that, that's way cell phone goes off. Isn't that the way that always goes? You know? Uh, But we've got... uh, the key to stress reduction here. I mean, if you'd like to be healthier, peace of mind makes the body healthy. It's not just what you eat, it's what's eating you. Uh, You want to live longer? It says a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. And so we see that this stress, it's a real issue. It's a real issue, and it has real impact in our lives. And in Psalm 23, it gives us the seven spiritual habits that reduce stress. Now, the first cause of stress in your life is worry. And you worry when you think you won't have what you need when you need to have it. You think you won't have enough, and that causes you to worry. 
Anytime you expect other people to meet your needs instead of God meeting your needs, you're going to be frustrated, you're going to be disappointed, and your stress level is going to go up because they're not going to be able to meet your needs. No man, no woman, no body can meet all your needs. Only God can meet your needs. And so the first antidote to stress, write this down on your outline in your workbook. Number one, I look to God to meet all my needs. You know, I look to God to meet my needs, it calms me down. Because I'm not going to be disappointed. Because God can meet my needs. And seriously, that single change in your life, if you just stop looking to other people to meet your needs, stop looking to your husband, to your wife, to your boss to meet your needs, your stress would go down dramatically. When you put your trust in God instead of putting your trust in other people. You know, Psalm 23 is telling us, don't, don't put your security in anything that can be taken away from you. Because you can lose your job, you can lose your money, your reputation, your health, your spouse, you can lose your mind. But you cannot lose your relationship with Jesus Christ. So Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, so I have all I need. I stop expecting other people to meet the needs only God can meet in my life. Romans 8 says this, let's read this one. Since God did not spare even his own son for us, but gave him up for us, won't he also surely give us everything else we need? And the answer to the question is obviously what? Yes, yes. I mean, if he loved you enough to send Christ to die on the cross, don't you think he loves you enough to meet your needs? Of course he does. So stop looking to other people to meet your needs because they're going to let you down. When you get stressed, you just need to remember, the Lord is my shepherd I've got everything I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I've got everything I need. Let's say that with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I've got everything I need. There you go. Now, once you've got that bedrock of stress management down, you need to go to verse number two. That's where I obey God's instructions about rest. Much of the stress in your life comes from always being in a hurry, always working too much, having too much to do. How many of you feel like, like you can never get caught up? Anybody feel like you can never get caught up? Yeah, all the mom's hands go up because that's just the way it is, isn't it? You just never feel like you can get caught up. Think about this for a moment. God could have created human beings without the need for sleep. Why did God create you with a need for sleep. You will spend one-third of your life asleep. If God's only going to give you 60, 80, 100 years here on earth, why would he have you waste a third of that time asleep? Well, obviously, God wants you to learn the importance of rest. And rest, in fact, it's so important that God modeled rest for us when he created the universe. In Genesis, it says on the seventh day, God rested. Why? I mean, he wasn't tired. God doesn't get tired. He was modeling the importance of rest in your life. In fact, rest is so important, God put it in the Big Ten. He put it in the Ten Commandments. In fact, getting your rest is right up there. It's as important as don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't murder. That's how important getting your rest is. Every seventh day, take a day off. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God created the whole concept of the Sabbath to benefit us so we don't burn out. Yet so many people today uh, don't do that. I mean, even on their day off, they're working on their day off. 
A lot of people even will come to church and then turn right around and go back to work or you know, go try and get all the stuff done that they didn't get done. That is not a Sabbath. That's why Psalm 23.2 says, He makes me lie down. Circle the words, makes me. Has God ever had to make you lie down? You know, if you're not obedient enough to get the rest that you need every week, if you don't take time off, your body will make time off. Because God has just wired you up to obey the commandments. Write this down. My best requires rest. My best requires rest. You're not wasting time when you're resting. You're investing your time. It is better to have loafed and lost than to never have loafed at all. Okay? You just need your rest. God gave us this command in Exodus 34, 21. Six days are set aside for work, but every seventh day you must rest completely. Circle the word completely. Even during your seasons of plowing and harvest, you must observe a Sabbath day of rest. You know, even in your busiest season, you need to take a day off. Tax accountant in April, you need to take a Sabbath. A retailer at Christmas, you need to take a Sabbath. Farmer during the harvest season, you need to take a Sabbath. Now, what is it that you're supposed to do on your Sabbath? Three things. One, two, three. Write these down. Number one, rest my body. There is a biblical basis for a Sunday afternoon nap. It's just biblical. Rest your body. Number two, refocus my spirit. You refocus your spirit by coming to corporate worship. Singing together, talked about that last week, singing together refocuses my spirit and provides me with physical health. Number three, I recharge my emotions. Now, different things recharge emotions for different people. Could be a hobby, could be a sport, could be family time. But in order to be healthy, you need to do all three of those. You need to do all three of those on the Sabbath. Rest your body, refocus your spirit, recharge your emotions. Now, when you study Jesus' ministry, you see that obviously he obeyed the Sabbath because he kept the law. But you also see that Jesus took time off to relax. He would go for periods of intensive ministry, and then he would just say, okay, enough's enough, we're going to get away for a while. We're going to go to the mountains, we're going to go to the desert. Uh, Jesus would tell the disciples, come apart for a while. Because if you don't come apart, you'll come apart. (laughs) There's a value in rest. And uh, uh, a guy tried to get a hold of the pastor on his day off on Monday. Monday is my Sabbath. You know, everybody else hates Monday. I'm like, come on, Monday. Come on, Monday. Love Monday. So this didn't happen to me. This is just a joke here. But a guy tried to get a hold of his pastor all day on Monday. And uh, he told the pastor, well, he couldn't get a hold of you. The pastor said, well, I'm sorry. That's my Sabbath. That's my day off. And the guy said, well, the devil never takes a day off. Yeah, and the pastor said, well, the devil's not my model, Jesus is, okay? And some of you, that's why you're so mean. You're not getting enough rest. (laughs) You're not getting enough rest. You're a little devil because you're not taking a Sabbath. The devil's not your model, Jesus is. God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. Number three, uh, if I'm going to relieve stress, I recharge my soul with beauty. I recharge my soul with beauty. Beauty is incredibly important in stress management. Ugliness stresses you out. 
Beauty inspires, beauty encourages, beauty motivates, beauty stirs up positive uh, emotions. I mean, why did God make the world so beautiful? Sunrises, sunsets, beautiful flowers, birds, animals, scenery that are never even seen by any human. All around the world, there are things, beautiful things that are never seen by any human. God could have made the earth just like the moon. He could have made it desolate, dusty, gray planet. He didn't do that. He created a world of beauty. Have you, have you ever heard people uh, say, I feel so close to God in nature? You ever say that yourself? Well, of course you do, because God created you to live in a garden. God didn't create you to live in an urban uh, skyscraper. God created us to live in a garden. Uh, Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in lush green meadows and leads me beside calm, quiet waters. He restores my soul. Lush green meadows. A golf course. (laughs) Calm, quiet water. A water hazard. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you just think about Psalm 23, you get relaxed. You know, if I, just, if I say, think about downtown, you don't get relaxed. You get stressed out. But nature refreshes because beauty inspires. So here's what you need to do. Three things on this. Number one, get outside every day. You know, if you're not getting outside every day, your stress level is going to go up. So you just need to you know, sit in your backyard, take a walk around the block, eat lunch outside. I mean, you need to get in touch with God's creation. And number two, you need to start the day with God, not the media. You know, don't start your day with your text or your email or Facebook. Don't start your day with the news. Don't start your day with bad news. Start your day with the good news. You know, the first seven minutes of your day set the mood for your day. And so let the first few minutes of your day be with the Lord. If you just do that, it will dramatically reduce your stress. Number three, intentionally put beauty around you. Because looking at beauty lowers your stress level. Guys, that's why you need to have a picture of your wife on your desk. Okay? Yeah. So you can look at beauty all day. Great tip. You need art, you need music, you need beauty in your life. Uh, Art and music are the two greatest arguments against evolution. Because there is no reason in the evolutionary process for there to be art and music. Evolution is all about survival of the fittest. That has nothing to do with art and music. But God created us to make art and to make music, to be concerned about beauty. Why? Because it is an act of worship, because it recharges, renews our emotions. More songs have been written about Jesus Christ than any other subject in history. More books have been written about Jesus than any other person in history. More art has been created about God and the Bible and Christ than any other subject. God gave us music. God gave us art so we could express our emotions, so we could relieve our stress, so we could express our worship. Psalm 4 Verse 8. Let's read this. You'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly. Fill your mind. Meditate on those things. 
You know, there's a, a lot of sin and ugliness in the world, a lot of unpleasant things. And whatever you give your attention to, that's either going to raise or lower your stress level. And so you want to recharge your soul with beauty. Number four, if I'm going to reduce my stress, I go to God for guidance. Go to God for guidance because multiple choice creates indecision, and indecision causes stress in your life. You know, when you can't make up your mind, it causes stress. And some of you, you're a wavering night right now. You're at a fork in the road, you've got multiple options, and you can't decide which one to pick, and the stress is killing you. It's killing you. So you need to make God the number one source for guidance. Not the opinion of your friends, not some pundit on television. You want to go to God for guidance because he's always going to tell you the truth. And so when you've got to make a choice, you just want to pray. Ask God to guide you. Read the Bible and then wait and think and listen and be quiet. Because at the right time, usually not immediately, but at the right time, God will speak into your heart and life, and he'll guide you. He'll put an idea in your mind, and you go, wow, that, that's what I need to do. That's inspiration. Write this down somewhere. Outline your notebook. God will guide me at the right time, not the wrong time. God will guide me at the right time, not the wrong time. Uh, he's going to give you the right guidance at the right time. Psalm 23.3, he guides me in the right paths for his name's sake. It's not just about your comfort. It's not just about your success. God's name is involved in this. And God will lead you in the path that's right. Number five, I want to reduce my stress. I trust God in the dark valleys. In the dark valleys. You, you, you are going to go through dark valleys in your life because you are going to experience mountaintops in your life. And where there are mountaintops, there are dark valleys. And so both of them are part of, of life. And when you go through those dark valleys, there are two common reactions that we have. One is fear, and the other one is grief. Grief is good. Fear is not. Grief is the way we get through the transitions of life. Grief is a good thing. The Bible says God grieves. Grief is a godly emotion. In fact, if you don't grieve, you get stuck. And some of you have had a major loss in your life, and instead of grieving, you just stuffed it down. You shoved it down inside. And when you stuff it, you get stuck at that point emotionally. And you've never gone any farther. You got stuck because you didn't work through the process of the grief. And so maybe you need to go back and grieve. Go back and grieve uh, over some things in your life that you've never grieved over so you can get unstuck, unstuffed, so you can move forward uh, emotionally. But you want to stop pushing the pain down and just let... Grief will not kill you if you let it out. It won't. In fact, grief is how you move through the transitions. It's a good thing. Fear is a bad thing. You know, the Bible doesn't say, grieve not, sorrow not, weep not, cry not. But 365 times the Bible says, fear not. Because grief doesn't paralyze us, fear does. Psalm 23, 4. David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. 
And some of you are going through the dark valley right now. Some of you are going through the dark valley, the shadow of death. Some of you are going through the dark valley, the shadow of debt. Some of you through the valley of the shadow of discouragement or the valley of the shadow of depression or the valley of the shadow of conflict. You're going through the valley of the shadow. And shadows are dark, shadows are scary. Unknown, hidden things hide in the dark. Bad things hide in the shadows. But here are some things that are true of shadows that can encourage you. Number one, shadows can't hurt you. Shadows can't hurt you. A truck can run over you, and that will hurt you. A truck's shadow runs over you, doesn't do anything. Because shadows don't hurt you. Number two, shadows make things look bigger than they are. I mean, even a a small object can cast a giant shadow. And that can make things look bigger than they really are. And here's the good news, the third thing. Where there's a shadow, there's a light. You can't have a shadow without a light. So when you're going through the valley of the shadow, turn your back on the dark and turn your face toward the light. David prays in Psalm 142, when I am ready to give up, he knows what I should do. Write this down. I don't have to know the answers when I know God. I don't have to know the answers when I know God because God knows what I need to do. Next verse, Psalm 23, sixth stress reliever. I let God be my defender, my defender. Because another common source of stress is conflict. It's opposition. It's criticism. There are people in your life who don't like you. That's just true for all of us. Maybe people you work with who criticize you out of jealousy or out of fear, people in your own family who who put you down and have a positive word to say about you. Now, when that happens, our natural response is to criticize back, to attack back, to retaliate, to get even. But when you get even with somebody who's criticizing you, all that does is it puts you on the same level. You just get even. But if you forgive them, it puts you on a higher level. If you get even, you're no better than they are. But if you forgive them, you become like Christ. Now, because of the pluralization in our society, we have people around us all the time who totally disagree with us. People who live around you, work around you, people who don't agree with you, people who don't like you, maybe they don't even like Jesus. And as a result, they criticize you, they put you down, they attack you. How do you handle rude, negative people? How do you handle mean, critical people? You don't. You let God handle them. You let God be your defender. For a significant part of his life, David lived on the run with a death sentence on his head. Uh, David, as a young man, was anointed by Samuel, God's prophet, to be the next king of Israel. But David spent years and years and years of his life running and hiding from King Saul, the first king who wanted to kill him. And David's hiding in caves, and Saul is maligning him and demeaning him and putting him down and criticizing him constantly. Yet you never hear David utter a bad word against the king. He never attacked back. He never retaliated. He only said good things about King Saul. Why? Because God was David's defender. Psalm 23, 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, my cup 
overflows. He's using a metaphor here to say, God is so good to me, he's going to serve me a banquet in front of my enemies. God is on my side to the point that he pours oil over me. He anoints my head. That says to the world, this is God's guy. You guys back off. This is the chosen. Psalm 18, David says, how I love you, Lord. You are my defender, my protector, and my strong fortress. In you I am safe. You protect me like a shield. David sounds stressed out there? No. But he's writing that in a cave being hunted for his life. But he knows God is my defender. I don't have to defend myself. Now, it takes a lot of faith to rest when you're under attack. It takes humility not to retaliate and to let God be your defender. But faith and humility are what God wants to build into your life. God's not interested in building the ability for self-defense or retaliation into your life. God wants to build faith and humility in your life. Again, Jesus is the model. Jesus never retaliated. He remained silent because he entrusted himself to the care of the Father. And you're most like Christ when you remain silent in criticism. One more thing causes stress. That's the fear of the future. Seventh thing David says in this psalm is, uh, I expect God to finish what he starts in me. Uh, are you a person who is afraid of the future? Or are you a what-ifer? What if this happens? What if that goes wrong? What if this fails? What if, what if, what if? And David says in Psalm 23, 6, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, you tend to look at the future in one of two ways. You can either say, what if everything goes wrong? What if I lose all my money? What if I get sick? What if I lose my job? What if somebody walks out on me? What if, what if, what if? Or you can look at the future and say, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You can either see life from God's viewpoint or you can see life from the viewpoint of your fret and your fear. How do you lower your stress? Well, you say, you know, I'm just going to expect God to do what God has promised to do in my life. I expect God to finish what he started in my life. Everything goes wrong in my life, I'm still going to heaven. Everything falls apart, I know how it ends. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So what do you expect? Well, there's another word for that, and that's a goal. That's why each week we're encouraging you to set a goal during this Transform series. Now, if you don't set any goals, you're not living by faith. Goals are statements of faith. So you want to set some goals. You want to set some goals even for your physical health. Now, I don't know what burden you're carrying tonight as you've come. I don't know what's weighing you down. But I know the solution, whatever it is. Jesus says this. He says, come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Circle that word, rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, when you read that, when, when Jesus says, 
take my yoke upon you. It almost sounds like Jesus is trying to hand you one more thing for you to do. He's trying to give you one more. He's trying to unload on you and just, you know, take this upon yourself. No, in fact, it is exactly the opposite. You know, a yoke is designed for, for two oxen, two cattle to pull the load. It's designed to share the load. And so when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he's saying, hey, I'll take part of your load. You step in harness with me. You work with me. Come, take, learn. Come to me. Team up with me. Learn how I do it. It'll lighten your load. It'll reduce your stress. Final point here. Write this down. When I'm yoked with Christ, we move together in the same direction and at the same speed. You know, those two problems are are, are crucial problems that that you have. You're going in the wrong direction and you're moving at the wrong speed. You know, some of you are going too fast. Some of you need to speed up. Okay? But you've got to make sure that you're headed in the right direction and you're moving at the right pace. And in order to do that, you yoke up with Jesus Christ. So you know you're headed in the right direction. You know you're going at the right speed. And when you do that, it reduces your stress. Let's pray together. Would you just pray this in, in your own heart and mind? Just, just say, me too, God, me too. God, I, I, I want to look to you to meet all my needs. There's no person who can possibly meet all my needs. And so, God, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need I shall not want. God, starting today, I'm going to obey your instructions about rest. You make me lie down in green pastures beside calm waters. Help me to fill my soul and my surroundings with beauty. Father, when I don't know what to do, help me to go to you first for guidance and for wisdom. And when I go through dark valleys, help me not to be afraid of the shadows, but instead to turn to the light. And when I'm under attack and others are coming against me, would you be my defender? Help me to speak no words of retaliation. Help me not to return evil for good, but help me to pray for those who persecute me, to love those who hate me. God, would you be my defender, my fortress, my protector, my shield? And God, I'm going to expect you to finish what you started in me. Rather than what ifing about the future, I'm just going to say, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, help me to move in the same direction and at the same pace as Christ. Slow me down, speed me up, whatever you need to do. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.